Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. You are not dreaming. We are doing Sports Scene a little earlier today. Brett Holcomb sitting in for Steve Russell, who is across the street over at the uh, football media days that uh, Dan Mullen will be go- hitting the uh, podium momentarily, and we will have that live for you. Um, so stick around. If you're li- watching on Facebook uh, live, you can hear the entire press conference, and then we'll have both coordinators on at some time. And uh, throughout the day, we'll have some audio from some of the players uh, involved at media day. But football's back. We got the NFL training camps already beginning, and tomorrow the Gators start practice. So the 2019 season is in full effect. Um, so if we've got time, you can call us 392-8255. Probably not going to have that much time to get to your calls uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, but uh, when uh, Steve returns at 12, uh, Shane Matthews will be joining him and uh, going over uh, what what Coach Mullen said uh, to begin the uh, 2019 campaign of where this team is heading and uh, what the outlook's going to look like. Jake's going to be producing at least the first hour uh, with me. So uh, when you call in, you can hear uh, Jake's voice. And uh, Dan Mullen's at the podium, so let's go to the stadium. All right. How's everybody doing? Good? Uh Excited to get uh, get training camp going. Uh, the uh, I think you know as C said, this is the earliest we've ever opened training camp uh, here at Florida. But with the uh, early kickoff this year, I think I've had one this early before. I think a couple of years ago the NSA allowed kind of with with they're trying to tweak in the rules and gave you a little bit extra time where you could start training camp earlier. We were able to do that, which you know was kind of funny when they did that it not i don't know it had anything to do with starting early but it had to do with the number of days that was the training camp that the players thought uh was the best training camp they ever had it was the least number of injuries it was the healthiest we ever were because we we're able to give more days off but with NSA rules right now we uh you know they kind of scrunch it all in there so you got to really kind of scrunch it all in there and you, they they they've decided to for the players i guess to cut down on recovery time for the players by scrunching training camp uh together with having the uh the 25 practices in 29 days um but we uh getting ready to uh to go uh like i said this is the 150th year of of college football so it's a great honor for us to be involved in the game that kind of kicks off the 150th year of college football uh and then to get to do it you know in, in a in a game and it which is going to be a great environment down in uh down in orlando at camper world stadium uh and do it against two in-state rivals uh that don't always get to play so i, I don't think you could have a a more exciting start to the season uh, but we got a long, long time before we even start thinking about getting to that. You know, our mindset right now, the big mindset for the team is changing uh, from off season again back into the football mindset. We've talked about it uh, kind of the beginning of the week with our guys to start transitioning. Uh, their mindset from that, hey, I'm showing up to get a little bigger, faster, and stronger and get a great workout in, uh, to I'm showing up making sure that I'm learning the offense, defense, kicking schemes, uh, technique, having great technique, having great fundamentals. And I'm excited to get out there on the field and see the work that our guys have put in. You know, I mean, the, when I talk about that work, it's not the work that they've 
put in with Coach Savage uh, and his staff, I know that works great. Uh, but it's all the, uh, you know, one of the big keys is all the extra work that our guys have put in, all the extra things they do on their own. In summer, they have the opportunity to go out there and throw, catch, work technique, fundamentals, you know, hit a slab. What, what, extra, what more did they do on their own? Uh, you know, watching film, put in the extra time to get ready for this season. So uh, hopefully it, uh, hopefully they've put in a lot of extra time and they're prepared, they're ready to go, and we get ready to uh, have a great training camp. Questions? Dan, obviously the offensive line is, I think, a big concern and everybody's talking about it. What if we... Will they be able to do it? I mean, when you look at it, the, the, the amount of time you were able to get those guys in, a, a play here, a play there, uh, how beneficial is that going to be for you? Well, I, I think huge. I, I think, you know, I, I, the concern, I don't know, it's the concern of uh, numbers. I think we're, you know, our depth is not great right now. You know, it, it, you get concerned in experience and depth. Those are the two big things on offensive linemen. I think our guys have put in time. They've worked. Uh, I think we have some pretty good offensive linemen. They just haven't played a whole lot. And that's a position, obviously, where when you look, we get young really quick. And when you do that, when you have those depth concerns, you got to go stay healthy. So, uh, you know, they've, they've put in a lot of work. One of the things how we set up training camp, a lot of guys get a lot of reps. Uh, I think one thing John always does is move guys around uh, so that you get used to playing with different guys. Uh, you know, and I, and I know everybody gets, okay, who's running with the one uh, huddler? This guy's running with the one offensive line. Uh, to me, we kind of rotate all that stuff on a daily basis. Some days this guy be with the ones. We put these guys in with the twos, mix and, mix and match. Uh, obviously, we'd love to say, hey, these five guys were healthy and they played the whole season. We didn't have any any issues. And Guys got really comfortable playing next to each other. And, uh, but that doesn't always happen, so we've got to have the guys get used to playing with different groups and different combinations on the line, and that gets experience. So we'll spend a lot of time with that uh, in training camp of getting those guys comfortable playing, you know, with different little different combinations up front and getting that experience and, and development and getting them ready to play. A little chilly. Yeah. Yep, Noah's, uh, you know, uh, he, he's got a, a couple other things he's still working on, but I know he wants to get back with the team. Uh, he's on our, our training camp roster uh, to report to camp uh, when we report at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, I, everything that I've been told we're on track that he's going to be set ready to practice tomorrow. We did? Huh? Am I on IR? The uh, I did I passed concussion protocol, so I'm good to go. So bumped my head and had to go. But they 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 did the test on me, and I guess I passed. So they're gonna let me practice tomorrow. <laughs> no, not I wasn't a guy. I just bumped my head into something. It wasn't a golf course injury. So I I was able to stay healthy on the course this summer. Had a decent summer too. I'm catch I'm trying to catch Coach Spurrier on my hole in ones. No, you gotta yell. Uh, okay, here. So, so what, what's the toughest opponent you've uh, ever opened up with, and how's that kind of change your approach to camp? Well, as a head coach or in my coaching career? I mean, coaching career, head coach. Whatever. I think when I was at Notre Dame one year, we opened up with Nebraska. They were number one in the country in the preseason polls, and I think we lost, we lost that game in overtime, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 
so they were pretty good. Um, Oklahoma State, I saw Oklahoma you guys Oklahoma State as head coach um, at Mississippi State one year. I, I think one of it is uh, it, 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 what it can lead to is a little more sense of urgency during training camp. Uh, and I think the other that's a key component to it. And then the other component of, you know, as we talk at transitioning right now, we're transitioning from off-season mode mindset into football mindset. Uh, at the back end of training camp, you gotta, you got to transition from training camp mindset to game week mindset. Uh, you know, the practices, everything you do is how you prepare the practices. What you're doing is completely different when you get in-season than training camp. Uh, you know, you're going from an install-teach mode of learning the offense as a whole um, you know, you're going out to practice. You try to compartmentalize and install. But even scrimmage, you know, you're going to have, you know, you might have 175, you know, we got 195, 200 plays in in training camp. When you get into game one, you're going to have 70 calls in that you're going to focus on against that specific opponent instead of all of our plays on offense against all of our plays on defense, all of our defensive calls against all the different formations we show. You hone it into kind of a game week game plan. So, um, it's accelerating that when you're playing a big time game one. Is you got to accelerate the transition period into game week. Where do you hope to see the most progress? I mean, offensive line seems like the given, but is there just a general kind of theme area you want to see the progress? Of the um, team? Offensively, obviously, offensive line is a big one where you want to see progress. Quarterback. Um, that I mean, to me, that's always the biggest one. You know, is is your progress at the quarterback position, especially coming back over the summer, because those are the guys that I want to see have developed and put a lot of extra work in over the summer uh, at that position. That you know, and that gets to the timing uh, of routes. You know, I say, hey boy, we should be able to go out there. I should be able to put a blindfold on you, and you know, tell you who the receiver is, and you can go throw that ten yard out cut. Um, type of deal, you know what I mean, and that—that's how on, in tune you are with those the, with with your receivers. Uh, but the um, those are the big ones. Obviously, you know, defensively, uh, defensive line, big one is making sure we're taking all the the right steps with that that unit coming together uh, to play play at the level we expect them to be. You know, I think line of scrimmage is huge for us, where we take big steps forward. Uh, Dan, last year, team had such a chip on their shoulder trying to erase the memory of the 4-8 and eight season, try to prove mm -hmm. themselves to you. How do you think the increased expectations and familiarity with you will affect this team? Well, one, I hope the familiarity helps a lot, you know, that we're able to get things done faster, quicker, smoother, and progress at a much quicker rate because they know what to expect and know uh, what's about to come, you know, what, what are expectations of practice and what practice is like. And... Um, Limits question marks. I certainly hope we still play with a chip on our shoulder. You know, I think we. I hope we have that chip on our shoulder. We look at last year and say, boy, there was a lot of great things happened last year, and there were a bunch of things that weren't great. Uh, and that you you look at that and say, hey, you know, there were uh, there were, there were some things we needed to be a lot better at last year, and we have that chip on our shoulder to kind of uh, get that back. You know, there were uh, you know in the three games that we didn't win last year that we have a chip on our shoulder about those three games. Because, and they were all three very different reasons to keep a chip on your shoulder of, you know, on, on our performance and how we did not perform uh, to our level of expectations in those games. And uh, so hopefully we keep that a little bit of a chip on our shoulder and a little bit of an edge to us as a team.
Dan, I know you can't uh, really have that much communication with your players over the summer, but there seems to be among people a pervading spirit. There was a good deal of leadership shown, especially yeah. by six or seven guys. What stories have drifted back to you about the extra work, the extra days, the work ethic? Well, I, I think that. I think the, the, everything's got back to me. He's been, been real positive with our guys. You know what I mean? And the positive of – there's a couple aspects to it, which is the, the team getting along. Uh, which is huge to me. And by getting along, the positive one are the things they do away from football together. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the great things, you know if you're going to have a successful team, when you get in and you see when the team's together, they do group activities. You know, whether it's, hey, we're all having a cookout pool party at someone's house when we have an, a, a day, an off day or at this apartment complex, which I know, you know, people are like, well, oh, boy, is that crazy or what? You know, sometimes you, you think of those terms, but there's positive for the team bonding, you know what I mean, and, and how they get along and how they get together and their, their desire to want to hang out with each other, uh, I think is huge. And I think, you know, you've seen that grow of the team growing closer together that way. Um, then the other one, you know, I mean, to me is I think they know what our expectations and I think their comfort within the system makes it easier for them to do the extra work. You know, that when the quarterbacks and receivers go out, they know they know the offense now. They know the passing game and they've been through it all for a year. And so they know how to how hard they need to go work. And then you look at the guys and you have guys like a CJ Henderson, who's just such a hard worker. Uh, might not be the loudest, most vocal guy and a leader, but when you watch his work ethic is great, taking the young DBs and showing them little extra things, you know. Uh, he's always something that jumps out every time you do a workout. Every, when the workout's over, he's always working or practices over, working an extra technique and pulling young guys along with him. So I think um, that's real positive for us moving forward. Like yeah. on, on live TV, I, mean, I might look like nervous here today. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is flat cold in here right now. Like, well, this coach is like shaking up there. Like, it's fired up, ready to go. It was colder at SEC Media Day, so. Well, yeah, but I had a full yeah, because I you got to like, I mean, a suit, I would have worn my big suit today again <laughs> if I knew it was going to be like this. Um, can you just talk about John Greenard and how you got him and um, how exactly? The recruitment of him went. Yeah, I, I think one of the things is, is here's a guy that uh, he was in his last year at, at Louisville and, and got injured and wasn't able to play, you know, and I, I think it was a guy that, that had a great year and was, uh, I think some of it came to attention of, hey, he's graduating. Uh, he, was th he was graduating because he was thinking, I think, about, you know, possibly leaving early to go to the NFL if he had had a great season. Uh, being injured, I think, kind of got him to rethink that, set him back, uh, but was one of the kind of a, a fresh start. I think one of the big advantages we had in recruiting is uh, early, I think as, as early in his career, he played for, for Coach Grantham at, at Louisville for a year, so he knew the system. He wasn't coming into a foreign system. He knew a system that he was actually recruited into um, to go play at and knew the system, so I think we were a great fit. Uh, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, I think in part of that mindset, and, and for me, that's something that's changing now over the last couple of years, which is the, not just the grad transfer, which he was, but the, just the transfer as a whole mindset, you know, with the portal and all the guys that are moving around and, and kind of the, the number of guys that are transferring, it, it gives you a different thought. You rethink how you view the transfers in college football. Uh, and I think if you just look, even looking at our roster and you look at rosters around the country, 
uh, you know, I, I want to say 10 years ago, you know, you're looking at a transfer and you're kind of like questioning him. Why is he leaving? You know, like, what did he, did he get thrown out? Has he gotten in trouble? Uh, you know, what, what, what's the purpose of, of it? You know, I mean, what's the baggage that's coming along with a transfer? I think in today's light, it's really changed. Guys are transferring because the transfer portal is a much more common thing. So it's not kind of, uh, I, I think through a coach's eyes, it's really changed how you view transfers. So, because uh, even if you look at our roster right now, I mean, you look at guys like, uh, you know, like Jonathan, you look at uh, Van and, and Trey Grimes and some of these other guys, you know, I'm, I know there's even a couple others on the, uh, you know, I mean, you got Schuler. Uh, I'm going to keep missing some, but there are even some even before I got here, right, that transferred in that are actually impact players, but it, not just on our roster. I think you look around the country and there's, it's a more becoming more of a common thing. So it's changing your perspective on how you look at guys, how you view them, how you recruit them. So, you know, here is a guy that knew our system with Jonathan, get back to him, that knew our, that kind of was familiar within the system, that Todd had recruited into the system, uh, had been productive. You don't know how he's going to come back off the injury, but had been productive, and especially in a huge need-based position where we had a guy that plays his position to clear early to go to the NFL draft. Uh, you know, so that, that voided a roster spot within player development of somebody that you needed to come in and play right away. So that's kind of how it all, all got together. Hey, Dan, just to follow up on Noah Banks, since mm -hmm. he's kind of a big deal for a team that has you know, a bunch of first and second year guys otherwise, and as far as depth goes, what can you sort of like reason, reasonably sort of expect from him? Because he's a guy who's missed so much time since well, last year, he, I guess. One of the things he and I sat down, and you know, and I think he knew we were, we were 100% behind him. And so he went through all the spring, was really uncertain. And then, you know, he came and he came back 100% all in. I mean, he, it was, you know, it wasn't, it was him saying, I want to come back and play, uh, which was the mindset we needed to have. Then he's, you know, I think it got down to coach, okay, I've missed a bunch of time. I got to get my, my, my body back right, ready to go play. And I said, well, you know, one of the things that, that we did a great job within the transition and making sure he's comfortable sitting and saying, hey, I'm back with the team, as he did, he did uh, individual workouts with coach, coach Savage, uh, to get himself back in shape before he went back with the team and to make sure I was working out, he was comfortable, ready to go back. And I think when he got back in shape with those individual workouts, started feeling really comfortable, he got back into the full team workouts and got ready to go. So, I, uh, you know, it is great for us to have him back. I know that one of the main reasons and we recruited them is looking at our roster and, and knowing that you're going to be in this situation. So he was going to be a critical part of the team and, and getting him uh, healthy, being able to make sure he, that, that he's healthy to contribute uh, is, is huge for us. Uh, Dan, you've coached a lot of great offenses over the years. Uh, this wide receiver group getting a lot of hype going into the season. Uh, where do they rank for you, and what makes them special? Uh, well, you know what's really funny is, is it just shows how hard these guys have worked because this time last year with this same exact wide receiver crew, everybody's like, boy, this is like the big weakness of the team, and they're the worst ranked wide receiver group in the, the Southeastern Conference. And now, a year later, all the exact same guys are getting hype of being this big group. So uh, it just shows how hard what great Billy uh, Gonzalez done a great job with them coaching, and how these guys have bought in, and how hard they've worked, I guess, to get that hype. Uh, we've had some pretty good receiving cores uh, through the years uh, with some talented players. So we got to see 
how these guys go. The one thing I'm excited about is, you know, that I think that that is pretty special is the depth that we bring uh, in in that that group. And I think the other thing that makes it great is uh, the confidence when you have the depth and you have confidence in that group. You don't get into the point where you say, "Hey, you got." two to three really special wide receivers that you're just trying to get those two or three guys the ball. When you have a depth and a group of talented guys that you have confidence in, um, you can let the defense dictate who gets the ball. You know, you're not, you, we don't have to force feed the ball to certain people. We can let the quarterback go through his reads and take what the defense gives because we're pretty confident in every one of them being able to go make plays out there. So it, it uh, um, it allows you to kind of run the offense more and the quarterbacks to run the offense and say, hey, if they're going to give us this throw or give us this matchup, we feel great with that matchup. And if they're going to try to double this one guy, good, we feel great with this guy over here. And, you know, you're bracketing these two, we'll go to the third option. And uh, I think that, that makes life easier within running the offense. Matt, over here, and then Edgar. Hey, Dan. Hey. Yep. They shut your mic off. They didn't like your question. Huh? Hey, Dan. Okay. Um, <laughs> we asked you. We have somebody in the back that can hit. Nah, nah, yeah. We don't want his question. That's all right. I don't, I don't blame <laughs> no him. No whammies. Stop. Don't blame him. Um, <laughs> we asked you in Hoover about how much harder it is to go from 10 wins to 11 or 12 yeah. compared to 4 to, to 10. What, as we sit here now, what gives you confidence that you guys can make that jump from here up to here? Well, I, I think the, the biggest one is the you, you look at this roster and the fact uh, that they're in, in year two in the program, so they know kind of what to expect to come in. Um, I think we have some talented guys, but I also have, I think we have some guys that can look at last season and have the maturity to look and say, hey, we had 10 wins, but we missed some opportunities last year where we could have been even better. Also, though, the maturity of saying, hey, we had 10 wins and we, there were some, some games that, that, you know, we let get awful close that it could have been, uh, it could have very easily been an eight-win season last year, seven-win season. Uh, and I, so I think it's the getting that understanding of how small that margin for error is. And when you really understand that and understand how small the, the, the margin for error is, that's how you get those wins. That's why it is so difficult. I mean, the... the uh, the, the, you take a big leap from four wins. I think the, the guys obviously are disappointed with being, being on a four-win team. And you can take a big step and get up to four to eight is probably easier. But they can look and say, hey, that, that step from four to eight was probably not as difficult. But that eight got to 10 because of the, how we performed in these two games and the margin. It could have been really close to eight, but we found a way to get to 10. But that 10 also could have been 12 by about that much, too. Um, you know, in the little things, in our approach, in our mindset, in our attitude, and how we handle different games. And so I think that maturity uh, within the team gives you the opportunity to go do that. Dan, you've got, you got a couple guys wearing the number one this year, and I think you've talked about that ballers type thing. Yeah. What, what do those guys do to, to separate themselves and, and earn that? Well, I, I think the one thing to me is, you know, you want the, the, the one of the most the time-consuming, annoying jobs of the head coach is jersey numbers, right? We have two wearing number one. If, if I opened it up, we might have up to seven to eight. 
do it. One of the things I, I want to petition the NSA to is go back to the old days where you can be number one, but you can be O one, right? So we have single digits, like there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then there's O one, O two, O three, and so I can have twice as many guys have the one through nine jersey distinction, I guess. Uh, but uh, no, those both those guys. Uh, to me, they came, asked for it. You know, I, I, I love to reward guys doing things kind of the right way. You know, and you look at it, uh, CJ came and asked me, and obviously CJ's a guy that's done everything we've asked him to do. Does a great job within, you know, leadership. I know he's not vocal, but in his actions, does a good job in leadership, does a good job going to class, taking care of his business, doing things the right way, and he's performed at an extremely high level on the field. Uh, and the same thing with KT. Everything, you know, we've asked him to do, He does. And has performed at a high level on the field, right? I mean, I don't know. Someone, what did he average? Nine yards every time he touched the ball last year? Is that what it was? 11? Huh? 10.9. I thought it was nine. I was going to say. So if once every three plays we gave him the ball, if it was nine, we only had to get one yard on the other two plays to get a first down. So if I was a smarter coach, but I guess anytime we need a first down, we give him the ball. In theory, we should get a first down then. Uh, <laughs> huh? Yeah, we well, might. Yeah, well, it's exciting things happen. But, uh, but those two guys did it. And, you know, one of the things I love to do with the players is put them – if you do well, I want to reward you. You know, I always tell guys that. You know, hey, if, if you're getting bad grades in school, you're getting trouble, you're missing workouts, you're not doing things the right way, you know, I'm give you jersey number 43 and put some high tops on you and, you know, I mean, like a dual bar face mask. Right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, the disrespecting number 43, which I don't intend to do, but, um, you know, but the, uh, but I think the guys that do the right thing, you love to reward them, and they, they view that as a great reward and something that they want to do. So I don't, I don't mind it. You know, I, I hate the hardest one for me is the game management with multiple guys in the same jersey. You know, and it, when it's offense, defense, you don't think about it as a big deal, but when it gets to special teams, that's when it becomes really kind of a, a pain for us. And then to, keeping on the Tony thing, do you have, you just talked about not having to worry about touches, but do you have a number in mind that you feel like you, you need to get him the ball? No, I, you know what? I, I think one of the things you spend time on is making sure, you know, you have to get it to plays. And I think, you know, in year one, you're kind of learning everybody. But I think in year two, you have a better understanding of players and guys that have earned the right to have get it two plays. Hey, you know, I mean, whether you, if you're a guy on our team, we want to make sure we have enough in our offense to get you the ball. Uh, not just him, but other guys. I don't think we put a set number on touches, but we certainly want to carry enough get it two plays where, hey, uh, like I said, there's within our, our players, especially at the receiver position, without worrying who's getting the ball, you know, like letting the defense, we're going to take what they give us. But there's also guys we want to make sure we get them into the game and touch the ball so that we have get it to plays to make sure these guys are getting their touches if the defense is trying to take someone away from you. Yeah, yeah, we have a get it to section on the play call. So we have it like, hey, here's the get it to plays. And, and a lot of times what it might do is it's a get it to position. You know, hey, we're calling this play is going to get the ball to the X or the Z or the H. And then... The nice thing having veteran receivers, they all know that position. So if, if somebody's like, I'm kind of not been part of the game, I'm like, hey, get in. It's, you know, you go play Z this play, and we're going to get you the ball. And it gets, keep, can keep everybody into the flow of the game. 
the, a lot of talk about the offensive line uh, and the re receiver group, but the tight end is such an important uh, position in, in your offense. You lose a couple guys last year. Bunch. Where where are the tight ends? Uh, you, it's a deep group, but not not totally experienced. It, they're, they're, it's very similar to the offensive line. I think the one hard thing, you know, Lucas missing a bunch of spring. Uh, you know, again, with the... <laughs> I love some some of the rules. We look at some of the, the rules that they put out. Well, this rule's in place for player safety, and he gets hurt because of the rule because you can't have any, you know, you can't even put a spider pad on him. Like, they can't have zero pads, and a kid falls and gets hurt because they're running around pretty fast going full speed. So, uh, you know, the, we end up suffering more injuries for the NSA rules that they try to put in to prevent injuries and puts kids in more danger. Uh, but the... Um, for a guy like him getting back, he's put in a bunch of extra work in all the meetings and knowledge in the position to know. I, I think Larry does a really good job with those guys. Like I said, we have a bunch of tight ends. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, at that depth, and we have guys that play. You know, the great thing was to get Lucas to play last year. You know, when, when he came out of junior college as a, a, a three for three instead of a three for two, where if, if three for two, you might think I really want to redshirt this guy last year. So he has two great years having that year where he was able to get in games and get some experience that he's played. Kyle Pitts has played uh, a bunch. Uh, Kamori's gotten in games and played. Uh, now, they haven't been the guy, but they've been in games. So, you know, it is a big position for us for those guys to have to really take that next step forward to become the guy uh, in games, you know, and then you look at, you know, with, with Zip and, and um, Dante, some of the younger guys, Saldivar, you know, as a walk-in, had a great spring for us. There, there is some depth at that position. Guys have some game experience, but not that experience as being the every-down guy, and that's really what you want to see, that confidence that they can do that. Do you have an expectation for that group, or you kind of wait and see and see how far? I want to see how they continue here. to grow. You know, and, and see how they continue to develop. I mean, I have we have high expectations because it's such a critical part of our our team and uh, and within our scheme of creating mismatches on the field. And when you look at the talent potential, all those guys have, you feel excited about it. But we need to see them go take that talent potential and and uh, translate it into performance. You've mentioned depth a few times for some positions, but how do you feel like overall depth? behind the ones uh we're getting there you know uh we're getting there i think that's you know when, when you you come in and i think the biggest one of us in taking the program over is that that is creating that depth you know uh sorry you always have you know you have a always a little bit of attrition when you take over a new program of guys that came and this you know i came to play in a different maybe style offense the program was different a little bit when i came so there's there's there is a, always sometimes a little bit of attrition uh, that you get into i think uh the new norm in college football which is going to be really interesting with the transfer portal is is depth will be an issue for a lot of people um uh, moving forward I think until everybody gets into the adjustment of it and uh but overall I, I think our depth is good I don't think it's great yet but I think we're going to get there within the next you know hopefully within the next two to three years we get where we feel really comfortable with our depth top to bottom what, what are some of the more intriguing position battles you think or is that something that maybe fans and media focus on more than coaches I, I think I think it is I think it's what you said. I think a lot more people focus on it because mine is not really a position battle as far as a, it's, a, it's always a rep battle, you know, of how many reps have you earned to play. You know, I don't, I don't like guys playing 70 plays, plays in a game. 
you know, I mean, it wears you down. I mean, you're going to be obviously, if the more players we can rotate through, the fresher and healthier we stay throughout the long part of this, you know, throughout the season as a, as a whole. Uh, so our, my battles are all how many guys do we have that have earned rights to go play? You know, it's a, I mean, it's heck of a deal if you're three deep at a position. Hey, that means everybody's got to play, you know what, maybe, you know, 25 to maybe, maybe 20, somebody gets 25 to 30 plays in a game is a lot, you know, maybe 30, you know, especially guys that are, that are special team or core guys. Cause now, Hey, you get, you're three deep at a position. Guys are getting 35 plays in a game, including our 40 plays in a game, including offense or defense and special teams. Those are guys who are going to be pretty healthy and fresh throughout the course of the season and throughout the long haul of the season. So I think it's a lot more that way for me than I, – I don't like I don't view it as, okay, this guy's the starter, this guy's the backup. I view it as but I, I, how many starters can we have? You know, ideally you'd love to have at least, you know, 25 starters on offense and 25 starters on defense, and then you can roll those 25 guys through and be comfortable. I don't know if we'll get there. But that's where I want to have at guys that you feel comfortable being starters. How hard is it to get players to buy into that philosophy? You know what? It, it, the great thing is, I think when guys start to do it and see success that they're having, I, I think they understand it. You know what I mean? And I think when, if you even look at last year, where you look at, hey, a, a Jakai Polite who was. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many games, whether he started how many games or not, but he was in that role as, as a, a rotating player and ends up being a, a, a draft pick. And a, a Jordan Scarlett, who buys into that philosophy, goes on and is an NFL draft pick. And a P. Ryan, who buys into that philosophy and has a lot of success. And uh, So I think uh, when you see the guys that really buy into, you know, that when the easiest thing is I think guys saw immediate success with it and the older guys believe in it. And so the younger guys follow older guys hey I want to be like him you know younger guys coming to the program I want to be like this guy and you know and that guy's telling them hey this is how you can be the most successful and uh, the, it gets it to be an easier buy-in anything new with the three freshmen who are still trying to get into class Wilson Henderson Marks yeah Marks is reported to training camp um, Wilson is I mean that's 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 not a surprise for us of that situation. We, you know, we, I think we had a lot of the information on it and we knew that that was going to be a process that we would not know a calendar or a timing on the process. And uh, to be honest, our expectations were it, it, it would happen at some time, but it wasn't, we weren't, you know, thinking it would happen immediately. Uh, Henderson's finishing up. He'll be here this weekend and he has uh you know he has uh, uh, things to finish up just because of where his school calendar was and dan anybody limited with the injuries to open camp or out of, uh, out of obviously david reese uh you know unfortunately you know had, had the injury where he'll miss miss the season and uh you know one of the great deals about the new ncaa rule is i mean he'd be on the edge could possibly be on the edge for a bowl game uh, I don't know. I mean, it'd be really I, I, that that could be pushing it. But what a great motivating factor that you know he wouldn't lose. You, you know, he could could save a year because of injury and still have the opportunity and, and motivating to get himself healthy back to even play in a bowl game, which would be fantastic. Uh, you know, a couple other guys have some little small tweaks that might limit them, but not that you know uh, that we expect to have anything that would extend 
through the end of training camp. You know, there'd be guys with some limitations that were still coming back off of an injury. I think, you know, if a guy sprained his ankle last week, that might be, you know, slowed down, but nothing that would limit the extended training camp. But everybody else we feel uh, ready to go. Dan, you were reasonably vocal last year that you weren't sure you had players that kind of knew how to lead. I think mm-hmm. you talked about CJ a little bit, but how different do you feel this year in terms of the guys? Uh, I think we'll be better because I, I think one of the things that helps with leadership now is when you know what's going on. You know, so it, when, when you know what practice is going to be like, you know what training camp is going to be like, you know what a game week routine is. When you know all of those things as a player, it's easier for you to step up as a leader because you're not trying to figure out what's going to happen. So I think there's going to be a lot more comfort with guys that are in the program. Uh, and there's, you know, when you look at guys like a CJ that everyone looks to, knows is a great player. Uh, and then he knows that, hey, when he speaks, it, the team's going to respond to what he has to say. You know, Felipe now that has gone and played a bunch, when he speaks, the team's, like all our quarterbacks, I think our guys, even all of them, uh, you know, when you look at all three of the guys, that they've played in games that they've everyone's seen the work that they've put out, that when those guys speak and they know the routine, they know the offense now, it's a little bit easier to lead. You know, the wideouts especially, you've got a veteran group of wideouts that they know that they've put in play, made plays, they know the offense, know what to expect. It's easier to step out front and be a leader. Yeah, uh, a little bit more specific on depth. With some of the departures this summer, where's your comfort level at with the corner depth? Uh, it's okay. You know, obviously with anything, that's part of when we get to is staying healthy. You know, if we stay healthy, I feel really comfortable with it. You know, what what hurts is when you start having injuries, uh, that starts to become an issue. And, you know, now you got to move guys around in the secondary. One of the big things to me in the secondary I always like is guys that have position flexibility back there. You know, you look at a trade-in. You know, when you go recruit a guy that can play corner, can play nickel, possibly can play safety if we needed him to. When you have guys in the secondary that can play, you know, we have really our five secondary spots, six if we get into dime, but really the five that you use. When you have guys that have position flexibility, uh, it allows you to deal with depth issues if you need to. Um, but obviously, you know, if we, if we do that, then we're going to have to start moving people and then we can't rotate as much. If we stay healthy, I feel okay with it. And then LaMichael P. Ryan said that he would know what this team is going to be this season by the end of fall camp. When is that clear for you? And and what is it that stands out that kind of lets you know? I I would think, I I think, uh, well, there's going to be a lot of different things that happen during the season, but I think we'll have an, I think we'll have a much better idea of the type of team we're going to be sooner this year than we were last year because it was all a feeling out process. So I think we'll have a good idea what type of team we're going to be at the end of fall camp. But then also, you know, during the course of the year, I mean, we're going to have to deal with different adversities during the season and that we're not going to be, have to deal with in training camp. You know, the one, you know, I mean, you have the the adversity of success. Uh, how we're handling that, uh, the adversity of failure, how we handle that. At times last year, we didn't handle either of those two things very well. Uh, at times we did. And so it's going to be how this team responds to that. When good things happen to us, can we keep the chip on our shoulder and the grind mentality to continue to work harder to get better? When bad things happen to us, can we focus on 
getting back to work and making the things that we need to do to be better? Uh, and do we have the, 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 you know, that belief in ourselves that we can be a great team? You know, when we get put in a situation in the big game where we got to go make a play to win. Do we have the confidence and we expect to do that? You know, and as our guy said, you know, the margins like that, the margin gets really tiny. And do we have that mental toughness to handle the success, the mental toughness to handle if the, the, you know, the failure of things going bad and the mental toughness to finish and the confidence in ourselves to make plays and, and to think that we can be a championship team. Uh, Coach, you obviously have a knack for calling ball plays. I was just curious, could you take us through a little bit of when you're on the field, some of the things that are going through your mind as, as you begin a series? Yeah, well, one of the things we do is, is it, we're pretty fortunate to have guys that have been around each other for a long time. Uh, you know, and, you know, as we get into a series, we kind of look at things we want to do, and you're always trying to look three to four moves ahead. Mm -hmm. So here's, you know, you kind of have some of those pocket plays, okay, that here, here's things that we feel good about going into this series. And then as a play caller, you have the pocket one. So, if, okay, if these things are going well, we've set them up for this. If these things are going well, we've set them up for this. If these things are going well, we've set them up for this. Uh, and that's where... I think we have had success is here's the things we want to do to set them up and let's see what happens well. And then we're going to at the right time call the play that we've set them up for. Um, the benefit also that we have is a, I think a, a coaching staff, really good coaching staff offensively that have been around where guys aren't afraid to make inputs. You know, when, Hey, we have them set up for this play. I'm not always the one that calls them. You know, I mean, you know, we go. I remember, I think the the bowl game, like you know, we hey on fourth and one, and we run the jet sweep to Kadarius Tony. That was Brian Johnson called that play, you know, or uh, and John Hevesy and Billy Gonzalez will call plays and say, hey, hey, I think we have, you know, we have them set up for this right now. Great, call it, and they'll let us, they'll let me know that. Um, and I think it's the confidence those guys have and how we've worked together and their ability. You know, I think we have. I mean, I think we have five guys on our offensive staff that would be pretty comfortable calling the game. And when you have that and when you have, have those guys that have worked together and know the, know the offense that well um, and that are, are, are comfortable around each other, it's really easy to make those inputs, not just between series with what we're going to call, but in the middle of a series, if they think we have something, they're, they're going to step up and say, we should run this right now. Um, and I think that, that, that helps us uh, within our play calling. How do you manage that with the with the play clock play clock going on in the game with five different guys, or, or is it just you know what it, it, it is? It, it, I think it's the confidence. You know, I mean, like I said, like if like if I'm in the game and Brian's like run this now, I'm like call it. So it's not like I'm trying to find the caller. One like he knows, hey, let's run this right now. I'm like call it. So he knows it was in his mind what we should run at that moment, mm -hmm. and I just shut my mouth and he calls the play to signal it in, and that's kind of how we do it, which is. Uh, I think in, in managing with the play clock, like you said, it's the confidence in me and the coaching staff and each other. When someone does that, uh, I mean, I, I just call it. That's, uh, you'll hear me. Just call it. And then he'll call the play, and they signal it in instead of me trying to – him say, let's do this. Okay, let me find it. Let me try to call it. I'm like, call it. Call the play you want to run right now. And they call it and get signaled in. And uh, – you know, I might trump it sometimes. I'll say, no, I want to run this, and I just call it. But I think that how fast all that happens helps us out a lot. 
Uh, the transfer portal has been a big talk um, all off season, but uh, especially quarterbacks. What does it say about a guy like Kyle Trask, who's who stayed here, and even though he hasn't had a chance to start, um, has honored his commitment and, and continues to work? I think it says a lot about and not just him, but all our quarterbacks. You know, if you look at, I, I saw something about where, like, right? I mean, seventy five, like Felipe in the class that he was in. Right, I think Kyle is Kyle. Same, they're the same class. They're the same class, right? But like, of the top quarterbacks in that class, like seventy-five percent have already transferred, and those both those guys are sticking it out, doing it. But they're also looking at the success they've had, you know, and and how they're being developed, um, and what they're able to do, and by buying in and buying in long term, and even Emory Jones, his class, there's been a bunch of transfers already, and of sticking it out and understanding, okay, there's a process to my development. That's one of the things I share with quarterbacks. I I think if you look and everyone's like, but you know, when they talk, Coach, I've, you've done a great job of developing quarterbacks. You know, I hear that a whole bunch. Um, but I've also done a great job of developing quarterbacks, and but you don't always see all of them have huge success in year one uh, within the program. You know, there's there's a development pattern to those guys, and those guys I think have really bought in and understood, like, hey, if I buy in under this program. Uh, you know, coach does a great job of developing quarterbacks, but it's not, you know, I like everybody, like I, like I was joking, like the magic dust, I'm going to sprinkle it on you. You just come play for me. I don't sprinkle dust on you, become a great quarterback. There's a, there's a process in developing you. Um, and that takes time. And these guys, I think, understand and say, hey, if I buy into this program, I'm going to be developed to become a great quarterback. And so it shows a lot of their, under one, their maturity. Um, but also their character and wanting to become better, understanding we're going to get them better, and their character of wanting to be part of a program and, and, and being all in to what we're trying to do, it, it shows a lot from them. Dan, as we sit here today, there's a lot we don't know about your team, and you don't know about your team. It's going to be interesting to find out what it is. But there are some boxes you could check if you really needed to. Like if I said physical conditioning, yeah. up, right? I'm not. I'm probably not worried about that. Yeah, I, right. I, I trust Coach Savage got him ready to go. Yeah. So quarterback <laughs> position, more experience, playing better, etc. Are there other boxes you can check right now on things like that that you feel pretty confident will be a part of? What um, this team does? I think. Well, I mean, the biggest one to me is I, I think that you can check is that we know the players better this year than we did last year. I think if there's one big one is I, you know the personalities of the guy and what you're dealing with. You know what buttons that you can push, and you know when at practice what I see from somebody and how they've translated that to games and where they need to improve. And, and I think if there's a biggest box to check for me, it is us knowing each other a little bit better. So, hey, I've seen, I've, you know, like, hey, I've seen this before of how you practice, but that didn't translate into a game, so that's not good enough anymore. I need, this is what I need to see from you. And I think that's probably the biggest box is us knowing uh, a lot more about the players uh, that I feel comfortable with and knowing that the players know what to expect from the practice field. And if I'm not getting that, then we have a problem because they're, they're, there's not, there shouldn't be a question. There should be right from day one, from the first period of the first practice, they know they know what our practices should look like. So those boxes should be checked, and those are the two biggest ones. How about the show. one on leadership? Is that a big box, uh, Chip? We'll see. We'll see when we get out there. Because to me, I'm not concerned. Like, I think our leadership and, and everything I hear is positive, but so much as the leadership is what have they done away from us? 
I think the leadership box has been checked in the summer when they're working out with Coach Savage. Uh, we asked him to take care of their business. I want to see, was the leadership there for them putting in the work they needed to put in on their own when nobody's around? It's just the players. And we'll see. I, I, that, that'll be a couple, that'll be a, two weeks until I see whether that actually happened or not. You know, I, wanna, I know after practice one, I'll be like, hey, did you see it? I won't see it in practice one. I'll know it in a couple of weeks. Thank you, guys. And that was Coach Dan Mullen uh, wrapping up his press conference uh, for the 2019 beginning for the media days here. We're going to take a quick timeout, come back, and uh, I believe the coordinators will be coming to the podium. You're listening to ESPN 98.1 FM, 850 AM, WRUF.